It's really exciting um, this evening, my privilege to um, uh, introduce Santino and Emma, who will be speaking this evening. Um, they're going to be looking at the whole subject of marriage from Ephesians chapter 5. Um, just to say that as, um, as elders, we know that it is our responsibility to define and defend biblical teaching, whether it's us presenting it or not. And so we are absolutely, absolutely delighted and thrilled to not have only just, not only, <laughs> to not only have Santino sharing this evening, but also to have Emma sharing as well. She is such a gift to us as a person, and she's also a really gifted teacher. And so I just would like to ask you to, why don't we, before either San or M, come and share, why don't we just show our appreciation and love for them as a couple? heard them both this morning and they were absolutely outstanding. It's a challenging subject but they were absolutely outstanding and I want to invite you to have your hearts and your minds open ready to receive everything they share with us this evening. I was given this one. Oh wow. Hey we love you guys so much. It's good to, thanks mum. It's good to have you. So good to have you here. <laughs> Paid my mum five pounds to say this. Um, do you want to just quickly stand with me? <clears throat> just just want to pray right now. We've got much to share tonight. But God doesn't need much time to completely wreck our hearts with his love. So Holy Spirit, I pray you'd wreck our hearts with your love. You'd just get us tonight with your love. Every person here, every person here, just believe it's going to be relevant. Me and Emma are talking on marriage, but honestly, no one gets left out tonight. We'll explain why. So Holy Spirit, we just give you freedom into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives. Just ruin us with your love again. Ruin us with your love again so we can love as you've designed us to love. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay. The, uh, <clears throat> the much better looking part of this troop will be up in just a moment. Um, but I just want to say we're in a series at the moment going through the letter to the Ephesians church. And we're at this stage of the letter, chapter 5, where the writer is, is writing and he's encouraging husbands and wives. As you can appreciate, this is a huge subject in and of itself. So for the next 35 minutes or so, Emma and I want to do the best we can just to present to you what we believe through the scriptures is God's view of marriage, okay? Just a reminder that this letter is written to Jesus' followers, okay? This is to Jesus' followers. These are, uh, it was written by Paul reminding them of what has happened to them in and through Jesus and what it means now to live out that faith in Jesus. This is not... Uh, morality, uh, instructions of morality for the rest of civilization. Okay, this is what it means to be a Jesus follower. And also, just before we really get into it, both Emma and I, you know, we want to be sensitive to every single person here. I know a lot of you. I know a lot of you well. And I know in this space alone, there is some incredible stories and some heartbreaking stories and I know there's all sorts of experiences here. So we want to appreciate that in this room, there's going to be people that are really happy and really hurting. Okay? I want to acknowledge people here that are currently separated. People here that have been through a horrible divorce, painful. People here that feel trapped and let down. People here feeling abandoned and overlooked. People here that are same-sex attracted, possibly. People here that are single and go, man, I don't want to be single. So we know, we just want to acknowledge that, to say that we're not, whatever we share tonight isn't just like, oh, okay, thanks for that. 
This is just trying to present God's view of marriage, okay? So what I want you to know right from the starting blocks is that God's incredible grace is there for you. Like my sister sang tonight, amazing grace. Amazing grace. And I want to pray that this amazing grace washes over you tonight. So before Em comes to share, I want to just briefly, briefly, briefly look at three foundational pin- principles, principles that we are going to hang or, or put into context for everything else to be hung on, if you like. First thing is God's original design. Right at the start of time, right at the start of history, God created humanity. He created the cosmos and he went, hmm, it's not quite complete. So he, he made you and I, he made humanity. And it says in his image and likeness, he made the male and female. So he brought Adam and Eve together and called them what? One flesh. And then in Genesis 2, we hear that God said that it wasn't good actually for Adam to be alone. So he made a helper suitable or some translations say fit for him. God took the rib from Adam's side. I just love his infinite wisdom, right? He took the rib from Adam's side, and I love how God does this because to me, it speaks of equality. He didn't take something from Adam's head. He took it from his side. So for me, it says that man and woman stand shoulder to shoulder, side by side, with equal worth, value, love, and importance before their creator. It would have remained incomplete in God's eyes if it was just Adam. He knew that he needed another to be just like Adam. And then from this marital partnership, from this one flesh, he created civilization. So God's original design, man and woman together as one. Secondly, covenant. Marriage is a covenant. What do I mean by that? It's an oath-bound promise, a binding agreement with with, uh, obligations on both parties where both parties fully show up, fully uh, commit themselves to the other. It's a binding agreement. For example, during our marital vows, we say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death separates us. That's covenant. Of course, again, I want to be sensitive. Do I want to ignore the pain? Absolutely not. But like I said, what we're trying to do is just show what God's view of marriage is. And do you know what I love about this? Something of marriage, covenant, reflects something of Christ's covenant to his people. It shows that actually Jesus Christ has made a binding agreement with you, friend, that it will never be broken. It's set in stone, and it is lasting forever. Thirdly, equal and different. Men and women were created equal, (coughs) but to be different. As I've already said, husband and wife, man and woman, are meant to stand before God as completely equal love, worth, value, and importance. But within marriage, what me and Em want to endeavor to do is present to you what this difference is worked out as. And we're going to be looking at submission and headship. Now, we don't like these words, do we? (laughs) Right from the get-go, because they've been horribly distorted and abused and manipulated by humans But we want to do the best of our ability, love. Do you want to come and share your side? And then I'm going to share after you. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. It's so nice to be here. I don't usually get to come in the evening, so it's actually really nice uh, to be able to join you tonight. Um, Before I get going, I want to say as well what San said. We're so aware of people's different experiences. And our heart today is is really just to um, communicate to everybody um, the love that we have for you, and set God's standard. So as best as I can, though, to the best of my ability, um, I just want to share a few things, just some thoughts on this passage in Scripture that we're looking at. So if you've got your Bibles, if you can turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and I think it's coming up behind me, um, starting at verse 22 there. So it says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So, God's perfect design for marriage is that wives submit to husbands. But it's so important that we have a really good understanding of what that looks like so that it isn't misunderstood or abused in any way. And I want to start this evening just by looking at the person and the character of Jesus. 
And actually, this is a model for everybody here this evening as believers. Right before the passage of Scripture I've just read, actually, uh, Paul gives instructions to the church to be mutually submissive. We're actually to see that in our broader relationships with one another, and specifically, like we're looking at tonight, between a wife and a husband. In Philippians 2, it says this then, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality something to be used to his advantage, but rather made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant made in human likeness. And now the Bible encourages all of us as believers to be imitators of Christ. And what a beautiful example of submission Jesus himself is. He lived a life of submission to God. And it wasn't weak, it wasn't passive, it wasn't of second place or inferior. But actually, it was brave. It was completely self-sacrificing. He gave it voluntarily for you and for I. And it was motivated entirely by faith and hope and love. So I want to say first and foremost that actually, as believers, that's what we need to be doing. That everything in us is yielded to God as primary importance. Specifically, though, this passage in Ephesians, which I've just read, it tells wives to submit to husbands as the church does to Christ. So we can look to Jesus as a perfect model, but actually, how do we see the church submitting to Christ? Well, it says this in Romans 12, that the church gives itself fully to Christ in response to his love and mercy. And it's the same way with wives. Actually, in response to our husband's love and his initiative, Actually, we give ourselves fully to him in marriage. The Greek word for submission that's actually used in this passage is herpetasso, and it has its roots in a military sense. But in a non-military sense, what it meant was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So there's a sense in which it is a willing yielding to another who has gone before or gone ahead of us. So that means I choose, as an exercise of my will, to submit to San as someone who goes before me. So what does that look like in the context of marriage? Um, Well, I wonder if it's something like this. My submission to San is having a heart attitude where I am prepared to set aside my personal preference. And that doesn't mean that he gets to be oblivious to mine. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But it's more that because I love him, I give up what I perceive to be my individual rights and asserting them because we made covenant promise to one another and we are now one flesh. And uh, like we see modeled by Jesus, actually... Our attitude and the way we treat our husbands, it's going to involve self-sacrifice. It needs to be given voluntarily. It cannot be forced. And it will definitely need to be motivated by faith, by hope, and by love. It's a humble recognition that I need San, and I'm no longer independent from him. And I want to say something as well this evening about what it isn't. Biblical submission is not slavish, And it is not abusive. And it's really, really important that we hear that. Emotional, physical, sexual abuse of any kind are not okay. And I just want to say as a pastoral note, really, actually, if that's something that you've experienced, if that's something that you're going through right now, please talk to somebody that you trust. Talk to somebody here. Don't go through that on your own. But actually, also, what we're talking about this evening doesn't mean that wives are meant to be passive, okay? And it doesn't mean that we can't be strong. It doesn't mean that Sam gets to pull rank. So to give you an example of that, many of you maybe uh, are aware now that Team Hamberis, we're moving to Manchester. We feel like God's been sort of leading us in that decision, and there's a new season ahead of us. Now, what didn't happen is that San came home one evening and made some grand announcement to me that he'd heard from God and he's been offered a job and, Emma, if you could just get on board, we're going to Manchester, need to let you know. Okay, that isn't what happened. It started as a conversation, as a dialogue between San and I. And part of that conversation has always been, actually, where do I fit in that, Emma? My gifting, my role. Actually, where do I fit in this move and this new season ahead of us? We are trying to work together as best as we can to follow God in our marriage. And San is the head of our home, but that actually also doesn't mean that he should be threatened by my strengths or giftings that God's given me. 
But it also doesn't mean that he should be looking down on me for my weaknesses, things where I get it wrong. And actually, my experience, actually, and I'm so grateful to God that San, as a, as a person, as a character, he is so able to celebrate strength and accept weaknessing, weaknesses far better than I am at times, if I'm totally honest with you. And I also want to highlight, there's a little phrase in verse 22 that I've just read, which I think is really key and actually really encouraging. And it says this, that the way we treat our husbands is as to the Lord. And what I think that means is that the way we treat our husbands, the way that I behave towards San, actually it's as to God. It brings glory to God when I get it right. The truth is, when San loves me in a Christ-like way, it's not, it's not hard to recognize that he's head of the home. I'm, I'm willingly going to do it in those instances. But actually, it's true to say that even if he's not loving me like that, it brings glory and honor to God when I behave in a right way towards him. We aren't meant to replace the authority of Christ in our lives with that of our husband. We need to understand that as well. It's always got to be God first in our lives. So we, we mustn't follow our husbands into sin. We can't submit to things that don't line up with the word of God, with the Bible. And I do understand that in some marriages that's much more complex. I'm, I'm aware of that. And you may be sitting here this evening kind of saying to yourself, well, it's just not that straightforward for me, actually. And I just want to encourage you specifically, if that's where you find yourself, just to be encouraged. Take heart. God is with you, and he knows your situation personally. Try to show as best as you can, as best as any of us can, uh, that actually we long for our husbands to lead in righteousness, to forsake sin. Esther, in the Old Testament, if you know it, um, she's a brilliant example of a godly woman honoring an ungodly husband, actually. And 1 Peter 3, it talks about that we can win our husbands for Christ by our attitude, by our Christ-like attitude. Please don't be tempted to give up hope Please don't be tempted to give up praying for your husband. He's going to need your prayers. San and I are not in competition with one another any longer. We're not vying for our individual rights, kind of battling it out. We are one flesh. We're a partnership, co-working together to achieve the purposes of God in our lives. So just briefly, I want to mention just three things that I think can help us with it, you know, as we kind of try and like outwork some of these principles in our marriage. And I really want you to understand that I do not get all of this right. Please don't think that. It's actually a really humbling experience, kind of thinking and planning and preparing something like this, because I'm just so aware of my own weaknesses and failings. And uh, uh, in all honesty, I can be difficult. I can be critical. I can be anxious. That then means I kind of want to control what's going on and what's happening, all that kind of stuff. But actually, there's hope. There is hope for all of us here this evening, and that's the transforming work of the cross and the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So I want to talk about really, really quickly three things, love and respect and helping. So what about love? The Bible talks a lot about love, which is great. Many of us will know the passage in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, and that describes it brilliantly well. And it says this, that love is patient, it is kind, does not envy, does not boast, is not proud, doesn't dishonor, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Well, how are we doing with that? How am I, Emma Hamberis, doing with that? I'll be honest, I find it really, really hard to be patient when I'm frustrated, especially in the mornings. San likes to chat. I like silence, right? Genuinely. And I just, I'm so frustrated at times, and I find it hard to be patient. I also find it really hard to be kind when I'm hurt, and I find it hard to be kind when I'm angry. And I really find it hard as well to be humble when I think that I'm in the right even sometimes when I know that I'm in the right, it's really hard. Humility, it feels costly in that moment. But it says, and I'm encouraged by what it says in Colossians 3, that we need to put on love. So it's an active decision. I've got to make that decision ahead of time to pursue this kind of love. And I need God in me to help me to do that. What about respect then? Um, Ephesians 5, the passage that we're looking at today, it ends in verse 33, encouraging wives to be respectful. Now, I've always found 
that uh, my ability to be respectful towards San, really it starts when I'm focusing on and looking after my own character. As soon as I get locked into what's going on with San, I get focused on his weaknesses or failings or things that I'm frustrated about. And, uh, and it just goes really wrong. And I can be a proper smart aleck at times. When we first got married, those of you who know San and I will know we're quite differently wired. Um, San is a massive external processor. So totally works out what he thinks and feels as he's talking. I am the completely opposite end of the spectrum. So I'm an internal processor. So his way of doing it frustrates me. And my way of sort of working stuff out actually frustrates San. And we've really had to contend for that in our marriage. We've had to communicate around uh, that kind of issue. So we'd have arguments when we were first married and, and San would be sort of all feelings on display, right? So be, I'm so frustrated and it's so difficult and why is this going on? And, uh, and I'd be kind of, on the surface of things, possibly a bit sort of steadier, but actually what was going on in my heart was I was waiting for an opportunity to articulate to San all the ways in which his behavior was wrong and his thinking was flawed, which is pride on my part. But that's honestly what was going on. Actually, we had a moment yesterday. I was looking at this little section of what I've prepared upstairs on my own, and Stan called up to the, upstairs to me, and I genuinely was like, what? What do you want? I was like, oh, man, I'm literally looking at the bit on respect. It's, it's crazy. Okay, so I'm all for communicate, honest communication, one of my highest values, but I want to get better at doing it in a way which doesn't belittle or demean San. I want to be honest. I, I'm, I'm allowed to be honest, but I want to be kind. So finally, what about helping? Well, San's talked briefly about God's design for marriage, that we are to be a help to our husbands. And this doesn't just mean acts of service. That is that is not really just what it's on about at all. It's talking about championing your marriage in every way that you can possibly do it. And I love the example of the woman in Proverbs 31. And I don't have time to read it out. But uh, if you don't know it, do go and have a look at it. It's great. This woman's fab. Okay? And it isn't just what she's doing that helps her husband. Although that is brilliantly helpful to her husband and everybody around her actually. But actually it's who she is on the inside that helps her husband. I'm so acutely aware that actually the best wife I could ever hope to be is only ever going to be possible when I've got God first in my life, first in my heart, when I'm modeling my life and my submission on that of Jesus and the church, and when I'm pursuing a beauty that lasts, which is that Christ-like character within. And I want to say this just as I finish as well. I really believe that there is brilliant fruit in a godly and good marriage. I'm really excited by that. I think it is good news for all of us. And I believe that fruit is a marriage that glorifies God. It's a marriage that through the co-working of San and I, through our partnership, it achieves the purposes of God. I believe it is a blessing to people around us. It can be a sanctuary for people who are hurting. And I believe it witnesses to those who don't know Jesus. So be encouraged this evening. Marriage is something to celebrate and to be so grateful to God for. Bless you guys. Wow, so good. You're amazing, you are. You're always right. Genuinely always right. I sat there thinking, what are you talking about? You married me. You're always right. Um, so good. Um, so M brilliantly just described to us what this word submission looks like. Um, what I'd love to do now, endeavor to do, is look at headship. For this, we're going to look at verse 25 onwards. But what I'm going to do for the sake of time, to be honest, is, is not fudge it, as <laughs> some of you might think. But I want you to go away in your own time and look at from verse 25 to 33. But I just want to zone in now on one verse, 25. So from what Emma said, this is, this is my role as a husband. This is your role as a husband. It says, husbands, love your wives. Then there's a comma there, which I love because there's going to be a how. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, this is just an outrageously huge bar, right? The bar has been lifted high on us, fellas. Love your wives 
just as Jesus Christ loved the church, and we know how Jesus loved the church because he gave his life up for us. I want to spring backwards to verse 23a. Em's already covered this, but this is what we're going to look at for my little section now. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. What, what does this really mean to be the head? So that's what I want to look at. I want to, we really want to be faithful to God, you know. And I want to look at what I believe is the right understanding of biblical headship as God intended. For this, we, we've got to start and stay and remain with Jesus because when trying to understand this, when trying to grapple with some of these huge concepts, we need to come to our Savior. We need to look at how our Savior modeled it to us, how he did it, because we're going to learn from that. But before we go there, I want to look again at a Greek word. Em's, Em's already done that, so I've got to kind of, I've got to, you know, tussle it up with you, love. Um, this Greek word for head used here, the husband is the head of the wife. It comes from a Greek word, kephale. This Greek word means authority. And biblical scholars tell us that a lot of ancient texts, Greek texts, there's over 50 examples apparently, how this word kephale means authority. It means one person having authority over another. So person A over person B. But we need to understand this authority very quickly as leadership. Leadership in the home. Leadership in the family. So this text is saying, I believe, that the husband is to set out the lead within this partnership as one, one flesh. So it's not like I'm the boss, I'm in front. It's more like we're standing side by side, but I'm going to lead us. So you're setting out a lead. That's what this word head means. So the, his duty, the husband's duty, my duty is to set out something for M to willingly follow. Not begrudgingly. You know, the goal is that she'd go, of course I'm coming after you. Because you look like Jesus. You sound like Jesus. I'm, I, I get it wrong as well, okay? What, what we don't absolutely don't want you to think is we are somehow the finished article. Man, we are pursuing one another headlong. We're, we're on a journey. We're being taken from glory to glory. We're being sanctified just like you are. But this is our heart. We just want to present to you this is kind of God's ideal for us. To lead in every aspect. That's what I'm called to do. To lead practically. To lead physically. Emotionally. Spiritually. That's a call on my life. That's a call on your life, fellas. Now, we don't like this word authority. We get all twitchy, don't we? As soon as it's said, as soon as we mention submission and headship, you could almost feel air being sucked out of this place because we know it's been done so horribly badly. But when it's done well, I really believe that we can rediscover its beauty. Do you know, when it's done as God intended, it can be celebrated and honored. But we hate it because it's been oppressive and controlling and domineering and outright unkind. This is where... I want to quickly come back to Jesus myself. So M's looking submission. What does it look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. What does his headship look like? Looks like Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. You go to kids, kids' church. What's the answer, kids? Jesus. Nine times out of ten, they're going to get it right. We need to see it all through the lens of our wonderful Savior. He's the head of the church, it says. Just as husband is the head of the wife, Jesus is head of of this whole gig. What does his headship look like? Well, it looks like love. His leadership looks like love. How did he express his leadership to us? How, how does he continue to express his leadership by the Spirit to you? Through love, right? There's no other way. It's not through manipulation. Jesus absolutely doesn't lord it over, although he is the lord of the cosmos. He could quite easily go, this is my pad. You do as I say, but that's not his heart. What sort of love is controlled love? It isn't love. It's slavery. Jesus is Lord of all, but how does he do it? He does it by gently wooing us towards him, by setting out a lead in front of us. He came 
and self-sacrificed his own life. He came as a sacrificial servant. And it says in the scriptures that Jesus came to serve and not be served. This is our saviour. His life was defined through humility, through gentleness, through patience, through kindness. Even as I'm saying these words, think of the people he sat with, the prostitutes, the lepers, the sick, the blind, the deaf, the mute, those that were paralyzed. This is how he leads. Self-giving love, true sacrificial love, and the, the biggest display of all is that he willingly gave up his life for you, for me. Upon a wooden cross, he was tortured and crucified. The son of glory gave his life up for me. That's what Paul is saying, husbands. You are to have the same heart as Jesus Christ, who in very nature was God. He did not consider equality with God anything to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the heart, man. That's why I willingly follow him. And that's why wives would willingly follow you. Because there's something of you going, hey, do you know what, darling? I'm just going to lie down and I'm going to lay my life down so I can lift you up. You see, Jesus' headship, his leadership, his servant leadership, there was no greater love display, displayed for humanity. True biblical headship is expressed through love. This self-sacrificial love. Headship and love, they, they just must go together. They, they just must. Because this headship can only find its authenticity and authority in love. The, the only authority you have is love. A anything outside of love, you, you don't have any authority. You don't have any authenticity. It will soon be seen to not be love. And this is how it looks. Every aspect, every thought, every deed, every motive, every action, the husband, my role for M is to lead and love like Jesus. To set out a Christ-like example. Fully laying down my life. I know I'm majoring on this, but I want to come at it from every angle. Because it fights. When we have this motive, when we have this heart, it truly fights against manipulation. You know, I get it horribly wrong a lot when I do it in my own steam. But when somehow I humble myself to think, how did my humble saviour do it? Oh man, then I get it right. There's been times when Emma said to me, literally, when I know you love me like Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. It's huge. Huge. My children the same. John Piper says, in the home, biblical headship is the husband's divine calling to take primary responsibility for Christ-like leadership, Christ-like protection, and Christ-like provision. The husband is to model the loving, sacrificial leadership of Jesus. And you know what? Male headship, this husband's authority and leadership, doesn't mean that I get to call all the shots. As you can quite appreciate, Emma is far more intelligent than me, far more able in a lot of things, most things, pretty much everything. So I want you to see that this is a partnership through and through. Somehow my leadership does not mean that I dictate what happens when, where, what, how. Oh no, dear God, no. This is a partnership, two-way. Dialogue, every step of the way. Man, I'm often submitting to M to say, darling, I have no idea. Well, how do you think we should play this? Bang, that's amazing. Let's do that. So it's got nothing to do with who calls the shots. I'll share a bad example later. It's a partnership where we are together working this out as one flesh, one unit, togetherness. Verse, oh, sorry, one thing before I move on. Taking responsibility um, also means that it's my God-given call and duty to help everyone in my family flourish. That's what I believe. I believe it's my role not only to help my beautiful, gorgeous wife flourish, but my children as well. And somehow, when I am not threatened with M, and she is not threatened with me. We can fully show up with the gifts that God has given us to work together as a team, and boom, around us, things grow and flourish. 
because we are empowering other people as well. J just by a, a side point, really, it's got to be something where there's interaction that honors both husband and wife as equals. Because we've got shared wisdom for the whole family, you know. It's not like I'm at the dinner table going, okay, Father will speak now. I will do the important teaching aspect of family life. Because it's not, it's often, oh, I nearly, no. It's often bad when I'm tripping my kids up when they're walking past and M's calling order, you know. But there's something about us working together which helps our family feel like they're living. And I feel it's a husband's duty to lead in that. Verse 28 says, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 33, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Do you know what? What I think Paul is saying is, guys, it's not hard to love yourself. This is what I'm taking from it. I find that quite easy to love myself. It comes naturally. How much more could we love someone else as ourselves? Man, there's beauty there. But then we see Paul right elsewhere in Philippians. It gets even deeper. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Man, this is humility, right? This is something about saying, not my selfish ambition, but what? What do you desire, darling? What do you desire? What would make you smile? What would make you feel loved? I'm laying my agenda aside. And Em's already touched on it, but my head of the home does not replace Jesus in Em's heart. He is her leader, her savior. I'm not. So I want to be clear there. Em doesn't come to Jesus through me. She goes straight to Jesus. The fall of humanity distorted pretty much everything. Actually, it distorted everything. Particularly relationships uh, and probably most uh, painfully, in these interpersonal relationships between husband and wife, they have been massively distorted. Subtle that our culture says, kind of anything goes as long as you're happy. But I think two major things has happened from the fall of humanity. First thing is that the husband becomes a bully or a tyrant or controlling, domineering, manipulative. I've told you that already. This is what happens to husbands. So there's one of two things. They become harsh or passive, lazy. Uh, unresponsive, uninvolved, uninterested, actually completely checks out and withdraws altogether. In my experience, as a man mingling with other men, that's, that's really the two examples. They're either domineering and controlling, or they completely check out. And we are, fellas, just looking at you right now, we are always walking a very steady tightrope to say, I just want to stand on Jesus I'm just going to follow hard after him. I'm not going to be domineering. I'm not going to check out. How do I just remain humble? And I know that's the experience. And, and you check out physically, emotionally, and spiritually. For me personally, what comes naturally is laziness. Anyone else? That's, that's me and a few others. Thank you, brave, brave people. For me, what comes naturally is laziness. You know, as the kids were growing up, I'd hear them cry, pretend to be asleep. <laughs> and then they would nudge me and I'd pretend to be just asleep still. I'd do that if I heard knocks downstairs. If there's a burglar, so I'd just push him out of the bed. <laughs> just, I didn't hear it. Just comes naturally, guys. Laziness and passivity comes naturally. Honestly, naturally. So easy for me to just go, man, and what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Personal experience gone wrong. I said I'd share something with you. Uh, about, I don't know, eight years ago when plasma screens were first the rage, I guess. Um, you probably know where I'm going with this. I, I wanted a plasma screen. And we started some discussion, some dialogue, some disagreements, full-blown argument. Uh, to which I pulled the card. That's interesting, love. 
I think you'll find I'm the head of this home. I think we will get a plasma. Yes, Susie. Oh, didn't go well. Once I was hit three times with the frying pan, once I got myself up, no, genuinely, M didn't say a word, just looked at me like, okay. But in that moment, I lost all authority, true authority, true love. I, I lost what it actually looks like to be a humble, self-sacrificing husband. Wrong. And, and genuinely, I, I felt what I trust was the Holy Spirit, literally go, wow, how did that go? And just me having some dialogue really badly. Really badly. And I know it's a silly example, but we can try and pull this head of a house card like that. And that's when it becomes abusive. That's when it becomes controlling and not as Jesus intended. Being the head of the home, my role in that situation would have been, no, we don't need a plasma even though we did need a plasma. We don't need a plasma. We didn't get a plasma. I'm not bitter in any way. I want to read something to you. And then we're going to... I want to encourage you, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. I want to read my wedding vows that I read out to my wife 14 years ago. This is how I promised to lead as a uh, man, uh, an ex-cocaine addict, someone that was just really fresh off that, that scene, kind of new Christian, but I knew Jesus had changed my heart. I knew that he'd found me the, the woman of my dreams, if you like. We go back a long way, me and him. But the moment I stood before M, God, my brother, my dad, my mum, my family, many of you here, and said these words. I want you to know they're as real today, this second, as when I first said them. This is what the husband, this is what I was called into. This is what I covenanted with my wife for. And I was asked first, San, will you take Emma to be your lawful wedded wife, to live together in marriage according to God's laws? Will you love her, honor and keep her, and forsaken all others be faithful to her as long as you both shall live? And man, I can still remember my brother crying, me crying. I do. Man, I do. And then I was asked to repeat some statements. Shaking. I call upon these persons here present to witness that I, Santino Constantine Hamberis, take you, Emma Claire Little, to be my lawful wedded wife. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death separates us. Man, saying those words, just so precious. But I want you to hear that that's the call of my life. That's the call on your life, to lead, to love, like Jesus, to say, forsaking all others, I'm going to be faithful to you, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, in every way, I'm going to lead and I'm going to love and lead you. And then we exchange rings. I lost this ring earlier. My, I gave it to my daughter, and I found it randomly in the hall earlier. Yeah, no, I didn't. See, I told you, I'd just say anything. <laughs> I give you this ring as a sign of my love and commitment to you. I give you this ring as a sign of our marriage. With my body, I honor you. All that I am, I give to you. All that I have which wasn't much, I share with you. And we've, we've built a family together. We've built a home together. We are not perfect. Crumbs, far from it. But we have covenanted. We are fully pursuing one another's heart. And we're getting there. My encouragement to all husbands, actually, yeah, I'll start with husbands. Why don't you make this your covenant afresh to love your wife? to cherish your wife, to woo your wife, to pursue your wife, to protect your wife, to honor and respect your wife, to be faithful to your wife with your body, with your eyes, with your heart. Be faithful to her. Encourage your wife. Care for your wife. Build up your wife. Bless your wife. Find out what she loves. Find out what makes her smile. 
find out what her love language is. Encourage her into everything that God has destined her to be. Push her forward. Like M said, be her champion. Be her biggest cheerleader in a male way. Rah. Help her see her true worth, her value, her importance. Sometimes M just walks past me. I'm like, man, you're gorgeous. And I'm punching well above my weight here. Tell her how special, how beautiful she is. Ultimately, the goal is that she sees God in your eyes, in your ways, in your motives, in your heart. And now this is my encouragement to every single person here. I know it's predominantly about marriage, and that's right. This is the text. This is what we're in. But I want to show you something beautiful. My encouragement to the whole church to every born-again son and daughter of God. The church is known as the bride of Christ, right? So guess what? No one gets left out. No one gets rejected. No one gets lonely and put on the sideline. No one gets forgotten. This means regardless of life experience. Please hear me. Regardless of life experience, we each get to stand before our Creator And he calls us son and daughter, all because of Jesus. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he sees you. That's how one we are. So no one gets sidelined. We are all married to the Lamb. I know that's Christian jargon. What I mean is Jesus has made covenant with you, friend. This means that each one of you, if you've given your life to Jesus, put your faith and trust in him, You are fully, totally, and wonderfully accepted forever. And nothing in all creation will ever separate you from that. Even the deepest horrors that you go through in life will never separate you from Jesus' love for you. Do you want me to prove it? Look at him afresh at the cross. Look at him battered and bleeding. He went there for you, friend. He went there to show that that's how... Father God made his covenant promise to you. One that is binding. One that is set in stone, never to be broken. Jesus has covenanted. He hasn't just given us a ring. He's given us a robe. He's put a crown on our head. He's called us his forever. That's the covenant that he's made with you. And this will never be broken. Even when your heart stops here, bang, you'll be with him forever. It's incredible. Can I just invite, invite? <laughs> Can I just bite someone? Can I invite the band back up, please? It's quiet. You're okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to bite you. You stay over there. I appreciate that a talk in this nature will, will cause all sorts of emotions. I know that. I do know that. And I, as I said, there's people happy and hurting and everything in between. But I want, I want, I want to, we, we, we want to serve all of you. So this is, this is how we can help in some way. Maybe there's stuff that's come out this evening that's just, just touched a nerve. And there's a few things that we can offer you. First thing is prayer goes without saying, absolutely. We can stand with you afterwards and we can pray together. And we can go on praying together. We can offer you prayer support. Another thing we can offer is pastoral support. If you feel that you just need someone to talk to, then come chat to myself and Em or someone here afterwards and we can see about getting some people alongside you. Maybe that's an individual, maybe that's a couple. And I'm talking regardless of where you find yourself, single, married, divorced, widowed, wherever. If you just feel you need pastoral support, maybe you do need support as a couple, we can, we can think about that as well. Also, we run a marriage course once a year. Myself and Em have done it. Stephen Maddie, have you guys done it? These guys have done it. Anyone else? Awesome. Awesome. I think something like 60 couples now have done it, which is incredible. So we, we run that once a year as well, and we can let you know when dates, dates are coming. 
Do you want to just stand with me? Love, do you want to just come up and share that word you had of hope? Yeah, just very quickly. As I was just um, sort of, we were talking about this and I was sort of reading and planning and praying and things like that. I just really felt, just always in my mind was just this word hope. And so I just really feel that's a word for people here this evening that actually maybe you need hope in this whole area that we're specifically looking at in some way, just hope. So if, again, if that's, if that's something that resonates with you, we'd love to pray with you about that. Yeah. Father God, I just thank, I thank you for marriage. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that it is a covenant. I thank you uh, that you have made that covenant with us first and foremost. And I just pray for everybody here today, all the different emotions and thoughts and feelings that we might have around this area. Father, I pray that you'd renew and restore hope to each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. Would you bless everybody here this evening and that they would be encouraged and refreshed and renewed for the purposes of God in their lives. Amen. Also, I just want to just want to speak joy and peace and love and grace and mercy and compassion and faithfulness. And me and Emma, as we're preparing for this, we just think so often we can be robbed of joy through life. So we just pray, Heavenly Father, would you bring joy again? Seasons of joy, seasons of spring, seasons of hope. Again, I join with Emma, and we just declare hope in this place. Hope in this place. Healing, healing of broken hearts. Healing of broken hearts where people might need to repent. There might need to be some choices made from today where you think, do you know what? I've got to do some business. I've got to reconnect. I've got to rediscover some few things. So we pray for husbands and wives, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We don't have to say too much more. You just know what you need to do. So we just, I just pl- pray, God, would you invade everyone's hearts, everyone's minds? Would you bring love right to the heart of everything? So right now, just as the band are going to lead us, as we close, we're going to sing one song just to rededicate all of us, wherever we find ourselves, just rededicate our lives to the Lord. Just begin to speak to him. Just say, God, speak to me. Highlight stuff in my own heart. Highlight stuff in my own heart. We're going to sing, I think this is my desire. And as we do, I want us to know that Jesus is the kafale of this church. He is the head of this church. He's our leader. He's the one we follow. He's the one that laid down his life as a willing sacrifice. So we're just going to all just look to him right now. We say, Lord, this is our desire that we want to honor you. So we're going to sing that together.